Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. If you had told me I would be setting more healthy boundaries with my closest loved ones, not doing something out of guilt, and comfortable asking for the sale or setting prices equal to my worth in my business after such a short time in this course, I certainly would have told you no way. However, I'm doing all of those things and much, much more unapologetically these days. While you're grabbing a pen and piece of paper, consider this. Just how many people are actually paid to learn? Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And by the time I'm done with this course, I will have earned more than what I invested in this life-changing journey. You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. And to get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. Now, it's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team. Hi, this is Marcia Sortino and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. And now, time for class. One of the more interesting aspects of doing your best, one day your best might be getting out of bed. (laughs) That is really, honestly, the best you can do, right? Amen to that. (laughs) I mean, it's a small miracle to, to pry those covers off and drag your butt into the shower and go into a day where you know it's going to be absolute hell, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I ringing any and bells for me, here? For me, it's to make sure I have my filters on. <laughs> I had a mm-hmm. difficult filter trouble this week. <laughs> so another day, it might be you do something that literally blows the socks off of everyone you know. It's hills and valleys. It's Every day is different, isn't it? So on the top of page 133, how do we pay others what they're worth? Guideline number one, honestly do your best with what you have in that moment. If you're doing your best, if I'm doing the best with what I have in the moment and somebody else wants more, I mean, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I have or don't have. You don't know what I'm feeling or capable of doing or where I'm at and so forth and so on. And if you want more out of me to somehow demonstrate to you gratitude or love or appreciation or attention or respect, and I just, I'm not capable of giving that to you in that moment, not my problem. How do you say it? Not my circus, not my monkey. Exactly. However, I've set myself up for a paralyzing paradox. Why do I say that? Well, ladies, here comes that point in the call where soul begins to confuse us. (laughs) (laughs) There's people who are pushing and pushing and pushing, wanting more. Sometimes maybe you, you may shut down. And then you're really not giving your best. Getting warmer. Chelsea, you just highlighted the convenient concept called an excuse. Well, I did my best. Mm -hmm. Well, in the back of my mind, I know when I said those words, I did my best, there's also another part of me that went, (coughs) excuse me, what? (laughs) You were fiddling on Facebook for the past four hours, 
how's that fiddling on Facebook for four hours doing your best? Excuse me, once again, what else is going on? If I give myself an easy way out, and this is so related to a conversation Christina and I had yesterday, for me, it is so easy to become comfortable with everything. And in doing so, in many ways, I check out. And is checking out doing your best? No. No. Isn't this eerie, Chelsea? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, it is. I'd like to hear a story of a time where you honestly did your best and you were rewarded for doing so. Even when I completed my second master's in gerontology, I remember telling Christina, yep, that was easy. I just kind of floated through, did the work, graduated right at a 4.0. It was not a challenge. Kind of like not stretching yourself, huh, Christina? Yep. So what would have done your best look like, Chelsea, in that program? What I'm hearing you say is you were rewarded for not doing your best. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's, that's exactly right. Doing my best would have been being even more front and center because it was an online program. So this class that we had each quarter, pretty much almost the same people were in the class. And I shared some life things here and there, but I could have been much more effective if I would have shared so much more. Chris and I had this conversation sort of over a couple of days where she doesn't feel that I do my best because she knows that I have more in me than what I do. And we discussed how easy it is for me to become complacent and comfortable in the spot I'm in. As a crutch for me, I use the fact that with the life and the trauma and the drama and the suffering, all that, that I've had, when I find a comfortable spot, like feeling like this is my home, I've never felt that before until this home, which is Christina and our little fur babies, that it's so easy for me to feel that comfort and just stop. Stop stretching myself, stop doing anything because I found a comfortable spot probably for the first time in my life, and I'm 55 years old. So it's easy for me not to push myself forward and do things that I know that I need to do, not only for me but for the world, like telling my story, writing a book, speaking, whatever. It's easy for me, so easy for me to become comfortable. And in doing so, definitely not doing my best and not pushing myself. So flip it. What part of you is purposefully denying, Chelsea, what part of you feels comfortable with purposefully denying other Chelsea's the same comfort you're enjoying? Do you believe firmly, strongly, that because you've earned your stripes, you've paid your dues, you've suffered, you've done the work, you deserve the vacation, are you allowing the victim mentality to say, look, damn it, I've been victimized. 
screw you if you don't think I've been doing my best. Not your problem. It's go away. I bring this up because here's the deal, ladies, Team Clarity. It's 2015. You and I live a life that barely 0.01% of the world lives. Right now, as we speak, there are literally millions of people fleeing their home because bombs and guns are shooing them out of there. That's the extreme. There are still hundreds of millions of people that are living in homes where they're being beaten daily. All of you have experienced that. It is my goal to be such bright lights that those people who are in fear of their own life, who are not comfortable, they see us. They see us and they want our help. Now that's a high expectation. I place that expectation on me. And I'm very comfortable with this phone call and this class. I'm doing my best with you all. I show up. I'm there. I'm giving you the tools to show up. Computer problems, work problems, life problems, family problems, there'll be speed bumps constantly in our lives. There's no doubt about that. To do our best might be to show up on this call and listen to this person preach at you. It's not my intention to preach at you, but we're coming up to Chapter 9, Ethics and Integrity, and there's going to be a severe wake-up call. If I don't step up to the plate and ask each of you to tell a story about a time where you did your best, and you can honestly remember a happy reward, because that's the seed to doing it again. Did you clean a house from top to bottom? And somebody said, wow, this is great. Thank you very much. Can I take you out to dinner? Did you do something for someone who they didn't even know you did it for them at the time? And it made you stretch yourself. Maybe it cost you some money. Maybe it cost you some convenience. And you didn't expect any notification or any reward or any thank you, any hug, but you got one. I was working for a credit counseling agency at the time, and I was in the position of taking phone calls from customers and uh, customers that were distraught, and, and there were just all sorts of calls. I had an opportunity to speak with a distraught customer and really explain to them that they no longer need to be afraid to stay in touch with their creditors and keep their creditors abreast of what is going on with their situation. Well, apparently that was something that nobody had ever done before. Nobody had ever explained to the customers that they don't have to fear their creditors, that when they get on the program, that if there's any situation that changes for them, to please just go ahead and don't be afraid to get with their creditor and actually make a friend of their creditor. Well, I had no idea that I was actually being heard (laughs) in the background by the president of the company, and he called me into the office and I didn't know what I did. I thought, oh, my gosh, am I in trouble or something, you know? (laughs) I 
went into the office and he thanked me so much for helping to educate people during this process of speaking with distraught customers, speaking with anybody who needed to be educated about how to deal with their creditors. He was so thankful and he said, we're going to implement this into the process when we speak to our customers so they are actually being educated. He bought me lunch and that was really nice. Yeah. Yum. It was I yum. say yum because, <laughs> Marcia, it features the fact that you tapped into compassion and spoke from your heart. Yes, that's what I did. Exactly. And it felt that gives good. Me tingles. It felt really good to know that I helped somebody as well to really understand that you don't have to fear this. I'm practicing guideline number two throughout our entire conversation today. Guideline number two, how do we pay others what they're worth? Just ask. I'm asking each of you to think of a time where you did something that you know was your best and you got rewarded for it. And Marcia's story gives me tingles. Marcia, is it fair to say that it was practically a no-brainer for you? It was like breathing to do what you did? Yes, it was. It was a no-brainer because I just looked at it from, if I were in her shoes, I know exactly how that person felt, and I was in the position where I could actually educate her a little bit, calm her fear, because that's what most people do when they're calling a credit counseling or debt management agency is they're so fearful. I mean, they just don't understand what to do. So your story, Marcia, is an excellent example of what could be labeled in other people's eyes as coasting. You did something that was so easy for you as almost like breathing. It almost like you were thinking, I could coast through a thousand of those conversations, right? <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, Chelsea is saying she's feeling guilty about the fact that she coasted through her gerontology program. Could it be, Chelsea, that you are at a level of wisdom, that your best was just showing up to the classes, and that was all that was needed? That could be. Well, I have a different story. I was playing big in gratitude to you that mm-hmm. you hadn't heard anything from me because I'm busy doing it doing the div because that is the most gratitude that I can pay you right now. Mm-hmm. And so rather than to say I'm doing this or going to do this, I'm showing you. The other day I was working from home amidst chaos <laughs> from my <laughs> senior manager and my direct manager at work and all this stuff going on with my family, and I'm literally trying to get some work done and it's just chaos and I'm frustrated with the stupidity of the decisions made from those above my pay grade (laughs) that is really causing my job to be so much more ridiculously frustrating. I had a moment where I just, I literally screamed out and I was like, ah, I'm sick of this crap. I realized in that moment that Instead of coming from a place of fear, I realized in that moment, whoa, I'm not playing big enough at all in my life 
in so many areas. I took some actions that literally I would have never, ever, ever, ever taken <laughs> and put in motion some, some checks that I wrote out some checks that my butt I probably can't cash exactly at this moment. <laughs> but it's kind of crazy how I did it from an empowered, like there's just a knowing, not quite sure how it's going to come to fruition. But for the first time in my life, I have absolutely no fear. And it's probably because that was the first action I ever took where I had no inkling of control going on or worrying or judging what would happen if maybe if this happened and that would happen. I didn't have any of that. It was just to take the action, be faithful, and whatever happens, I will be okay. The Lord will, will be with me every step of the way. I have support in family and friends, and it will work out. Wait. <laughs> How's that going? Not only a fist bump, a high five, and a big virtual hug. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels good. Like, I still have not had a moment of anxiety. Even in telling you that, I feel so free. And amongst all this chaos going on in my life, yeah, I had a couple of moments this week where I was doing a lot of pulling of my hair and rubbing my temples and deep breathing because I'm not really sure what this breathing thing does, but I've started doing more deep breathing because you're always like, breathe deep, Christine. And I have another friend that's always like, breathe deep, Christine. <laughs> 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 I've done a lot of deep breathing this week, but I have to say that the amount of chaos going on outside of my home in every other area of my life is ridiculously crazy. And it's not stopping me, is it, Till? No, it's not. Bingo. Bingo. Christina, you've reached that point where you've told the world enough is enough. All the drama and trauma out there, fine. You go have your dramas and traumas. You rock on. Enjoy it. Let me know when I can buy tickets. I'll have some popcorn ready to watch it all. But here's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Literally, I didn't even hear from my mom was calling me, and I didn't even answer her, and I still not call her back in two days. I didn't hear from what was going on with the surgery because my aunt, the one that got stabbed, she had to have surgery and everything. I, nobody called and said she's okay. She's not okay. I didn't know if the baby was able to be born okay or, or not. My cousin texted me and asked me, and I said, I got on the phone with her. I was like, no, I ain't talked to nobody. But with our family, no news is good news. So I figured everything must have went okay. <laughs> Bingo. So here's the exciting part, doing our best with what we have, doing my best with what I have. The more I become aware that as I ask for help, as I never assume that my request was not heard. Every request I make is always heard. Much like unconditional love is always around me. Every request for help, every time I ask for help, I'm doing my best by becoming a team a partner in a team 
of circumstances and resources and timing so far beyond my control, it would be insane for me to try and control it. And when I just heard Christina say, had no part of controlling it, it's like, is there a tombstone in your front yard now with the word controller engraved on it and it's buried in the backyard? I mean, did you... It's one of those big, huge monstrous ones like you see in like a New York <laughs> Controller, dead, October 2015. Love it. <laughs> Pricing the priceless. Everything has a cost. Even not knowing something, something that's so unbelievably magnificent or divine or sacred, we say, oh, it's priceless. That picture of the Madonna is priceless. That's, it's not. It costs something. My ignorance costs me something. My blind faith costs me something. And if I'm at peace with the cost, not a problem. So doing your best is a team effort isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. How has Team Clarity failed in helping each of us do our best? Not leveraging the tools that we have available to share our growth and supporting each other as we do that, helping share our successes because each of us have different successes and growth in different areas that certainly could help the world. How's that changing? For 32 weeks, you all have talked about using the back office. There's been a sprinkling here and there. Life has been busy. There's been dramas and traumas. There's been this. There's been that. Guess what? If you even experience point zero 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 one percent of the pain I felt when I recognized how poorly I chose to dine from my teacher's buffet table that will grieve me to no end. The fact that I would be a source of such pain for you would make me feel very sad. That's what I'm looking to end run, ladies. I've been there. I've done it. Now, I'm not assuming that you were going to go, God, I really screwed up. I could have done. I'm not assuming you're going to feel bad or sad about that. I just know what I felt. Chelsea, you're the best for your clients. I have no doubts that those people that are under your care in the hospice program at the VA, they are truly blessed to have you as their case manager, as their social worker. As I've asked Patty to do now, I want Chelsea, the professional, to take on Chelsea, the client. Three weeks ago, I asked you to, in the back office, talk about continuity and meaning. I've seen nothing. Last week, I asked you to do an exercise about looking at your calendars and on Sunday night, sitting down and just very broadly looking at the next upcoming seven days and just kind of pencil that out and then throughout the week look at how did that play out? How did what you planned to do actually get done versus not done? Did I haven't heard anything about that exercise. I commend you for showing up every Saturday. 
on time. Thank you for that. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe next Saturday I might not because I'm tired of being beaten. <laughs> As your instructor, do you want me to be a kumbaya, nice, touchy-feely, oh, everything has its time and everything is okay and don't worry about it? Or do you want me to be a person that says, excuse me, but you're saying A and I'm seeing B? Which type of teacher do you want me to be? Because I have to admit, I am being guilty of <clears throat> not following guideline number three, never assume. I am assuming you want me to hold your feet to the fire. Is that a wrong assumption? No, no it's not a wrong assumption. Oh. Said no. <laughs> do you see how I do my best? To know that as divine sovereign beings, you can choose to feel any way you want to feel. If what you're choosing to feel right now, based on what I'm sharing with you, is inspiring doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, I can become very controlling. I can become very manipulative. I can look at ways that, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this and shouldn't say that because we've had this discussion before, haven't we? Yes. Mm -hmm. Where did that discussion go? Do you remember? If you knew I was purposefully manipulating you, remember that discussion, right? Right. How did that discussion go? How kind do you think I'm being by being manipulative? Not kind at all. Or genuine or real. And you figure out, oh, soul skirting this and soul skirting that. Doesn't your explorer naturally go, what the hell else is he skirting? <laughs> Right? Very true. So I want to hear a story of a time where you did your best. You really did. You worked your ass off. You sacrificed. You were inconvenienced often. And at the end of the process, it wasn't enough. And you were chastised for it. I remember there would be times when I was younger and after a ball game, I might have put up some crazy awesome numbers, like got a triple-double, just did awesome against one of the top players in the state or something. And on the ride home or when I got home from the game, it'd be like, you did so good today, I'm so proud of you, but what were you thinking on this play? And you missed three free throws or blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, are we kidding right now? <laughs> are we kidding right now? And that set a, a precedence throughout my entire life. It's funny that this should come up because I was just telling a friend the other day that I have internalized that. And so that is one of those things that has never allowed me to truly be proud of myself. So even today when I accomplish something, no matter how big or small it is, I'm off to the next analysis. <laughs> and I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing. But in my head, I'm like, oh, got that done. Okay, so I did it this way, but I wonder if I did this, if it could have a different outcome, if I could improve it in a, a bit. That's throughout my entire life all the time. And I didn't realize what that was doing to erode my self-worth, my confidence, all that. Cancerous, isn't it? Now that is going to be a good before-after video today. It's cancerous, but at the same time, here, ladies, is where, again, we're on the edge of the knife. 
On the one hand, yes, it can be cancerous. Second guessing ourselves, thinking about how could we, and, and not feeling happy and joyful and excited and delighted and blessed that we did what we did with what we had and we did our best and it turned out so great. It can be cancerous. At the same time, here's where the explorer versus the analyzer versus the magic of the divine kicks in. When I've done my absolute best and I've been rewarded for it, I take time to savor it. And that savoring time allows my explorer to go, okay, you ready for the next? Want to play? That's far different than my analyzer going, well, yeah, you did your best, but dot, dot, dot. (laughs) When was the last time you savored, truly savored, savored, meaning absent of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, absent of the chaos committee throwing a food fight in the middle of it all, you savored something that you did your best. What did you do to savor? And once again, the fact that it's all taking you more than a few seconds to think of a moment in time gives me pause. I did this morning. I did. I edited a video and put all the graphic stuff on it and music, and it's just looking real official, right? And I literally have been going and been like, look at this video I created. Didn't have a moment of, oh, that could probably be a little bit better, and I'll tighten this up next time. Just totally proud of myself for this video. I'll, like, you couldn't have told me I wasn't Steven Spielberg or somebody after this video. <laughs> Sweet. It was really good, too. Really good. Well, Chris, doesn't it, like, just pull you like you smell cookies baking at the mall and you got to go have a cookie? Doesn't that just pull you into wanting to do more? Yeah, I literally said this morning to my coach, I was like, check this out. I just may become a video editing fool. You better watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Marsha, you did your best to pull off a successful walk for your nonprofit org. True? True. Sure. How did you savor that? <laughs> after that walk and after all the festivities from that walk, I when I got home, I just plopped myself on the couch with relief. <laughs> I said, thank goodness, it's done. We did it. And for me, that was good enough because my legs were so sore. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't break out the praline pecan. You, you didn't have the glass of Chardonnay. You a hot no. bubble bath. N- nothing. Just flopping on the. Boy, you're a cheap date, Marsha. I tell you. <laughs> that felt so good to just plop on the couch after that. I tell you, because I don't usually sit on the couch, but it felt uh, so good that day. <laughs> there you go. Excellent example that. Savoring doesn't have to be going down to the local jewelry store and buying yourself a $400,000 diamond ring. (laughs) Seriously, don't we as a society 
look upon savoring as sinful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Feeds perfectly into it's better to what than to what? Give them receive. Are the pieces coming together? Yeah, that's good. How many decades of rewiring do you now see? You're pulling out a rat's nest of rewiring. I mean, I use the imagery of the old days when most computer systems required so many different cables to connect to the printer and connect to the modem and connect to the... I mean, when you look underneath the desk, there's this rat's nest of wiring going on, right? Mm-hmm. When I talk about relieving the rat's nest and looking at your rewiring is, have you noticed, just out of curiosity, that sometimes doing your best means letting go? Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about just for the moment. I'm talking about letting go, as in no turning back, as in I'll let it go for an hour or two, but then I'll pick it up tomorrow. That's one of those things that I don't know that I've ever done until I have made certain decisions recently. I've eliminated that word of I'm trying to let go, like that trying somehow, some way, continued to give me an out to revert back to that old pattern. And I'm finding more and more by eliminating just that word trying that it's helping me literally integrate, as you would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've often noticed in my own life the most difficult step to take is asking for help. Just asking. Oh, yeah. It is hard. Story time once again. I'd like to hear at least one or two stories of a moment where you decided, maybe it was after you've painted yourself into a corner and you really didn't have much of a choice, but you asked for help. You got it. And you thought, why the hell didn't I do this weeks, months, years, decades ago? At work, there are so many different things that I'm involved in, different projects other than what I do at the nursing home. I am not the best at spreadsheets. Well, actually, I suck at spreadsheets. So I had to create this spreadsheet for a program and then give a presentation on it. Well, I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried. I just never could get it to come together. Finally, I asked, another person I work with who's really good at it, to help me with it. She had it. Within a couple hours, it was done. I felt so stupid. I thought, why didn't I ask her before instead of not wanting anybody to know that I didn't know how to do that? But then I was so glad it was over. I have the story where I had three deadlines a month and could have asked for help with entering payments and getting it ready for my check run and I never asked for help, and I really honestly should have and could have, but didn't. Is it part of the asking process, the fear of vulnerability, the fear of being judged? Is that part of it? I would say so, yes. Yes. How does the chaos committee rule 
the asking. It amplifies the fear of being judged, and it amplifies the the worry of negative repercussion for some decision or something, some action that you've taken. It amplifies all of that. Doubt, guilt, shame, worry, it amplifies all of it. Mm-hmm. And it really gets really intense. And it gets so noisy that the best way to cope is just, just check out. It. Check out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overwhelm. Anesthetic. Analysis paralysis. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard this saying before. People are not so much afraid of failure. They're afraid of success. Yep. Success. So, in our remaining time together, I ask you each, what are you afraid to ask for right now to achieve your success? Asking for help in the areas you don't feel comfortable in. What area, Chelsea, do you not feel comfortable in besides spreadsheets? You're growing in your knowledge of spreadsheets. What's another area you feel uncomfortable Possibly expressing vulnerability. Yeah. Maybe linked back to the last time that you expressed vulnerability, it was used as a way to victimize you. Yeah. Who in Team Clarity has victimized you because of your vulnerability? No one on the team. Carry it forward. With that revelation, is it now more appropriate to feel comfortable in asking Team Clarity for help? Yes. I think over the years I've just gotten so used to not asking for help that I connect that with weakness. If I feel weak, I feel vulnerable. And that's a feeling I've struggled with my entire life. And you assume other people have the same perspective, right? Chelsea, is it fair to say that most people you ask for help, most people are delighted that you've asked because we as a species, is this a true or false statement? We as a species are often delighted to be helpful. Yeah. Christina? Absolutely. Marsha? Absolutely. The joy I receive out of being asked for help and that help is received and it produces something extraordinarily wonderful, it just multiplies the joy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where am I going with this? Leverage the natural given spirit that most human nature has. Bingo. And, and in that, you're even giving in that in a way because we all have a need to feel like we are able to help somebody. It fills somebody else's cup up when you give them the blessing of being able to serve you sometimes. Bingo. Aha moment right there. High five, virtual high five to everybody. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) By not asking, you're not allowing that person the joy of helping. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That made me excited, folks. (laughs) Thanks. And by asking... We eradicate assumptions. <laughs> True? Mm-hmm. I have lost track 
of how many times the old saying, no good deed goes unpunished. I have lost track of how many times, because I did not ask, because I assumed that if I did X, that this person was going to be delighted and thrilled and happy and amazed that I did that for them. Where in reality, they go, what the hell did you do? You, no, you should never have done that. Anybody got a story around a time where you did something for someone that you assumed that they would absolutely love, that they shouldn't have had to ask for, and it blew up in your face? My own example is one of our alumni of Team Clarity. I did many things for one of our alumni. I assumed that these things would be wonderfully received and gratefully implemented, and it blew up. That person's no longer part of Team Clarity. Had I asked more directly, been more clear, that person may still be with us. The more I've become comfortable with being uncomfortable, the more I've become comfortable of being vulnerable, the more vulnerable I am, the more open I am, the more transparent I am, how that's received, how that's handled, tells me more about a person that if I shield them from my vulnerability. Right? That's so good and so true. That's so good, yeah. It, it reminds me of, I have often in the past talking to a friend or something said, my assumption is that you're always going to give me the benefit of the doubt as I give you the benefit of the doubt is that what I say or do is never meant with malicious intent, only love. At that time, I didn't understand the concept of I have a choice to choose how I receive things. You have a choice to choose how you receive things. I just understood for that for me, when someone tells me something that hurts my feelings or makes me mad or whatever, I know that person loves me. And so what I might have in the moment perceived them to be saying there's got to be a nugget of love somewhere that I should be looking at it from. And I often do that whole, so what did you mean by that? Because I need you to know that this is how I took it, <laughs> right? Now, with this growth and this understanding, now even more it makes sense to me, the notion of that. This is cutting edge. The reason for it is most paradigms that we live in right now views vulnerability and transparency as flaws, true or false. Mm -hmm. True. Mm -hmm. True. Yet we say we want transparency, right? Right. Right. So when I give you transparency, and then you tell me I'm an idiot for giving you that level of transparency, um, well, you're not doing your best. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating stuff, eh? Just curious, what are some ways you think that we can carry this discussion forward throughout this coming weekend and in general just integrating this as a change? Being conscious that it's okay to be vulnerable and to ask for help in all areas of our lives. Yeah. Marsha, I'm curious as you are navigating team lead role and have different dynamics than what you experience here with Team Clarity. How is it that you can integrate these things in your role as team captain and in your business in general? Well, 
have such an eclectic group, and they all are starting to get to know each other, and I'm being as transparent as I can with them. Here's the thing that is interesting, and you and I have experienced some different things in our team leadership role, and I'm so proud of you, right, because there's a time in my life that your situation, I'd have been so in not feeling like oh, it was my responsibility and I have to do this, that, and the other, and just totally my controller would have been on overdrive right now. So I'm totally proud of you that you looked at the scope of the situation and decided, okay, here's an option, and I give you the choice to any up with the option or not. And either way it goes, I'm still moving forward. Like that, I'm so proud of you for that. Thank you. Totally. I am increasingly understanding the importance of showing the gratitude in every way, ladies. I bring this up because clearly the discussion today is kind of confirmation to what I've been feeling and knowing, and that is it's not a matter of proving to you guys, to soul, to anybody that I am growing, but for me to fully embrace what I'm learning, I've got to fully integrate. That doesn't mean that I'm always going to get it right, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to have to go through this book several times. But what it does mean is that the sooner I get the notion that in everything I do, in every relationship that I'm part of, everything that I'm saying, I have an opportunity to show gratitude and, in effect, encourage someone else or birth another person's awareness, directly and indirectly. And by doing that, I am showing gratitude to this process. I am showing gratitude to soul. I am showing gratitude to people that I've I've yet to meet because I'm changing my community. I'm changing my loved one's lives and people that I don't even know. I'm really integrating that. But I just wonder if Teen Clarity has awakened to that and the blessing in that. Sometimes when the days are so hard that you have one of those days where the best we can do is just to get up and sit up on the side of the bed and then fall back over. <laughs> the blessing in being able to draw from that opportunity. Because in our lives, in our world, it all comes from uh, the dollar. It all comes from the, the IOU. doesn't come from something so pure and authentic and full of love and blessed. And we have that opportunity to draw from that bank. And that is something that I just awakened to this week. I don't know about you all. I have actually grown a little bit more wise and put some wisdom into my wisdom bank here. This this experience has taught me a lot, especially about pricing the priceless right there. You just give me all time. You make me smile big. I've never met anybody in your situation that is just so optimistic and happy. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not even a front, like literally. <laughs> and it's like, that's so refreshing. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. I think I've learned through this whole process that really I can trust in my divine self. If I do my best to honor the worth of others, I will get through it. It will come to fruition. 
appreciate that listen. Thank you for listening. Any personal ahas of your own? As one of many Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains, it's my role to help you get serious about removing blocks to your success as well as live a more stress-free, confident life. Wonder if this course is for you? If you are a serious action taker committed to playing big in life and being your best you, I look forward to seeing you in my next class. Call me at area code 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 to talk about your next steps. Before you go, let's continue this discussion in the comment box below. You can always help other people have breakthrough moments when you share this show across your social media. I look forward to speaking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Definitely radio worth listening to. Have a great day.